What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, coming to y'all here on a Monday night as I'm recording this. We don't have really any bit of a big midweek slate uh, this week and kind of dwindles as you get in the conference play, uh, the midweek stuff does. We do, however, you know, have two games tomorrow. And, you know, as I said, not not a very heavy. Uh, Binghamton, Lehigh, Colgate, Cornell. So could be interesting, but those are the only two games. We're not going to talk about those on today's show. Instead, you know, this, this weekend will be April the ASUN, the CAA, begin conference play, the Big East as well. Big Denver-Georgetown game coming up. Big weekend coming up. We'll preview that on on Thursday. We'll talk about some of those games in a different context today, uh, but we'll really get into the nitty-gritty of these games, some of these big games. Carolina-Duke playing in lacrosse and basketball on the same day. Uh, big, big day on uh, Tobacco Road. So, yeah, big, big weekend. We'll preview that all on Thursday. Today, however, second half of this show, we're going to talk about bracketology. Because, as I said, it's almost April. It's time to look ahead. I, I can't believe it's almost April. It seems like we just started the college class season. Um, it flies by. We wait all year, and then... And you know, drop of a hat, it's it's over. That is that the right analogy to use to that? Probably not, but who who cares? Um, in the blink of an eye, it's all over. That's 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 what I was going for. Um, and it's it's been fun, and uh, you know, I know I do, and I know y'all do. Hope we have just as great of a season to end as we've had thus far. Uh, there's a lot to still, uh, you know, sort out a lot of things that have to fall in line, a lot of action uh, still to go. But we'll take the first look at bracketology here on this show. Um, I'll have a full bracketology post on lacrossebucket.com on Tuesday uh, morning, so you can check that out as well, lacrossebucket.com. Uh, bracketology 1.0. Um, like I usually do, I do four or five of those. So um, I'll have more coming each week now as, uh, you know, teams are, are fully, fully amongst in conference play after this weekend. But before we get into the, the bracketology part, kind of, Two things I wanted to, two teams, I should say, I want to touch on. One is the Harvard Crimson, and Jerry Bone, his first season there, has been really, really strong. And then St. Bonaventure. This is their fourth year. We know the year four bump is something that is not unheard of. Monmouth had it. To an extent, Detroit Mercy had it. Um, you've seen a number of teams have it. UMass Lowell had it to an extent. Uh, as they made the America East uh, playoffs their fourth season. Uh, unfortunately, had to play Albany. Uh, but I, if I remember correctly, did give them um, a better competition than I, I thought they would in that game. So year four, it's been a solid year for new programs. And so we'll talk about St. Bonaventure in their year four and what they've done so far this year as those sitting atop the MAC. Uh, but as I said, Harvard is the team we'll get to first. And look, the Ivy League is really good this year. Really good. Five of, I mean, they have five of the top eight in the RPI. And then when you look at the like the rankings, uh, the polls, 
this week, the new inside lacrosse poll that just came out. Penn is at number four. Princeton is at number six. Cornell at seven. Yale at eight. That is four teams in the top ten. Oh, no, excuse me. Five in the top ten. Hollywood jumps into number ten. And that is the team that we're here to talk about. She also mentioned Brown receiving votes. It's the Harvard Crimson that we're here to talk about today. Um, and look, like Harvard has always existed in this interesting spot in the Ivy, where Yale obviously has made a run here in recent years. They've been the most consistent Ivy, the best Ivy League team. Andy Shea has built that thing, and it, it's, it has been sustained. Cornell, obviously, a historical power in the game. They're always good, always come to play, right? They've been there. Haven't won one since the 70s, but they were there in, in 2009, and they've made some really good runs since then. Princeton had their thing in the 90s. We've talked about how this is the first year they've really had uh, depth since since the end of that dynasty. Um, but they've had some great players, and they had their thing in the 90s. Penn had some good teams, uh, was it pre-2000s, and then also in the 2000s as well. 2019, they had their run, right? Lose to Yale. And over time in the NCAA quarterfinals, Penn, Yale, everyone knows that series from 2019, the best series in modern college cross history for a season standpoint. Brown, they were in championship weekend in 2016. Dylan Malloy, or is Tiffany leading that squad before he heads on down to Charlottesville, which by the way, he just was announced today, contract extension through 2026. Good move on the Cavaliers' part there. So Brown, Princeton, Penn, Yale, and Cornell have always kind of been, you know, they've kind of rotated in terms of having runs. Cornell is probably the more consistent one historically. Um, Yale the best one in recent history. Brown's been there. Penn's been there. You know, been consistent, been competitive. Harvard, on the other hand, and, and Dartmouth's always been at the bottom, there's been this space between those teams and Dartmouth. And Harvard has occupied that space. They've occupied that space where I don't want to, I think the term sleeping giant is a lot of times overused, but in a way, they were a sleeping giant. Uh, they had good recruiting classes year after year. Um, they had good teams. 2014, they win the Ivy. They lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament to Notre Dame, coincidentally. 2016, I remember that season like it was yesterday. They upset Duke, and they go to the Ivy Tournament, lose to Yale. And look, that was those two seasons, 2014, 2016, where you had guys like Devin Dwyer, Morgan Cheek, who I still think is probably one of the best attack duos that we've seen, more exciting attack duos that we've seen, especially considering ones that didn't get uh, uh, the notoriety, maybe, or as much press as, as they deserved. Um, like, with those guys, you... You go to an Ivy title game in 2016. You win the Ivy 
2014, which was before they had the tournament. Um, so it's not like they didn't have success, um, but they they didn't have it. They had those two seasons, but they never really were consistent. Um, 2016, they go eight and eight and lose in the Ivy League title game to Yale. 2017, they go six and six and seven. Missed the postseason. They haven't made the postseason since 2016. So you looked at this program. You said, "Okay, you did that. You did this. We saw you there, you know, in the 90s." Uh, make a quarter, make a you know two quarterfinal runs, 1990, 1996, uh, one in 1980 as well. We've seen you do that, but in terms of since the 2000s, it it really hasn't been. And since 96, they haven't they've been to two NCAA tournaments, 2006 and 2014, and that 14 uh, title is the only Ivy League title that they have in the past decade. Though the last one prior to that was 1990. And talk about these players that they've had. They've always been able to get good players. But it was it was never delivered. It, it never delivered. The talent was there. You could see it. But, and there were times when they were successful. Again, 2016, 2014. Successful seasons for Harvard. But they were never able to get above that. And look, we're still early here in the Jerry Bone era. But it appears the bone method has already taken hold in Cambridge. And you look at what what bone and this staff have done. And what is basically a year one, considering you only had, you know, you were two and two in 2020. Things get shut down. You don't have a season for a year. You come back. It's his first full season, his first Ivy League season. And we see what they've done. They're six and one. Beat number 13 Michigan, another top 15 team in Brown, and another top 15 team in Boston U. They beat Dartmouth, explode down the stretch 19 to 10. They're two and oh in the Ivy League. They're sitting atop the conference. That was the the tide, the winds, whatever you want to call it, appeared to be changing in Cambridge. Defensively, they're playing very well. Offensively, you have some really fun weapons. Sam King, Austin Madronic, Miles Butkus, Nick Warling. These are ballers that they have. On both ends. Short stick D mids, Chase Yeager, Hayden Cheek, Arredo, excuse me. These are guys that show up and, and play and deliver game in and game out. Harvard hasn't had, as long as I've been watching college cross, this kind of depth that comes to play every single day. They've had great players. And I've mentioned them. Devin Dwyer, Morgan Cheek. Like those are two and great guys, two players that were phenomenal. They had some other guys as well. You know. And a lot of these players that are on this roster now were there before Jerry Bone got there. Jerry Bone and this staff 
like the Cowboys were not bare. They were not bare. They were not bare on the roster or on the recruiting trail, that pipeline of guys coming in. They've continued to build up that recruiting base, have a really good 22 class, really good 23 class so far. And again, the, the tides appear to be turning in Cambridge. Harvard, they have Colgate this weekend. Then you're at Cornell, at Penn. You're at home against Princeton. And you end at Yale. It has been, you know, that Yale game is certainly Cornell, Penn, Princeton, all great teams. And I think in that stretch, they probably win one or two of those games. And that'll be significant. But I think if you go in and you go into New Haven and you beat Yale, who has been the absolute, they've been the uh, epitome of what the Ivy League, of what success in the Ivy League has meant. You beat them for only the second time since 2015. That will be big. That will be that will be the signifying moment of of this season for Harvard. If they can go in and do that. They're cruising right now. They're playing very good on, on defense, very good on offense. Face off dot is going fine. Special teams are good. This is a good team. Did I expect this? No. But a lot of people didn't. And look, we knew the cupboards were not bare at Harvard. We knew there was talent there. It just needed to be realized. And Jerry Byrne and this staff have done just that. Harvard, no. It's early on in the Byrne era, but things appear to be on the right track. They appear to be on the right track, and the Crimson are pushing forward. Now, moving on to a program that um, is also having a fantastic season. Bit of a different situation, though, where as Byrne has been rebuilding Harvard, Randy Mullins has been building St. Bonaventure. This is a team that went 0-13 in their first season in 2019. They went 0-6 during that shortened 2020 season. Last year, you have a Mac-only Mac only schedule. You go 5-5. Five and five. And you lose in the MAC semifinals against a, a good Monmouth team. Coming into this year, year four, we know what this thing is. We've seen it before. The year four bump for new programs. And um, St. Bonaventure appears to be in the midst of one themselves. Beating Marist, beating Manhattan back-to-back weeks, 2-0 and in MAC play. The only two losses on the season. 7-2 record, Richmond, St. Joseph's. And the St. Joe's loss was an 11-12 loss, or 12-11. So only one goal lost to St. Joe's. They lost to Richmond 17-3. But outside of that, this has been a very, very good team thus far. And specifically on the back end, on defense. This is a team that, at the time of recording this, has the second-best defense in the country, allowing 8.78 goals per game. They sit only behind Georgetown. Below them is Boston U and Navy at third, Richmond at fifth. And that's the Richmond team we've also talked about on here. 
how they've kind of rebuilt that defense. So, I mean, this is a this is a very, very good St. Bonaventure defense. Um, offensively, they still have some kinks to work out, I would say. Um, but defensively, they are fantastic. And a big part of that is one Brett Dobson. The Oshawa, Ottawa, or the Oshawa, Ontario, excuse me, native. I mean, what he's done here at SA Bonaventure throughout his career has been phenomenal. Uh, you know, started primarily in, in 2019, started all five in 2020, all 10 uh, last year as well, or all five. Started five or six in 2020, started all uh, 10 games last season, and then has been in the in, you know man in the, the, the cage through nine games here in 2022. 65% save percentage, 147 saves on the season. Look at where he ranks in save percentage. Number one in the country. One Brett Dobson is. And I saw something the other day. Said Sam Bonaventure is on Twitter. I can't remember who said this. But they said St. Bonaventure has got to be the quietest Seven and two team ever, because not a lot of folks are talking about him. I don't know why. I really don't. But we're talking about him on here, and the Bonnies—they're doing fine. They're doing great. They have a bye week this week. Then they have at Siena, at Quinnipiac, and Canisius at home to end the season. They play Monmouth on April 9th is their next game at home. And that's going to be a big one match, rematch with the defending MAC champions and the team that knocked them out of the season a year ago, the team that ended their season a year ago. So, you know, talk about Harvard, what they've done, and Jerry Byrne, how he's rebuilt that program improved it, you could say, made it whole. You also got to talk about Randy Moans, and, I mean, he had all the accolades, the the, the resume and everything coming into this after being at Canisius, you know, head coach of Team Canada, you know, one of the, one of the best minds in the game. And, but still, you can be as, as, as good of a coach as you, as anyone. And going to build a program, that's a that's a different task. That's a different task. And he's done that. And, it, you know, year four, we'll see what the future holds. Uh, but right now, as we sit, St. Bonaventure uh, is the best team in the MAC. They are. Did I expect it? No. I expected Maris to be there. But... Some injury issues have uh, played a part in holding them back this season. Um, Bonnies have stepped in, and I mean they beat Maris, they beat Manhattan, two good teams from a year ago, two you know, pretty solid teams within the MAC this year, from what I expected to be. Monmouth, Siena, Quinnipiac, Canisius. Let's see if the bodies can run through that slate the way they're playing right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not one to make predictions and all that on here, but the way that they're playing right now, it's difficult to see a scenario where they don't win at least where they don't come out of there with you know at least. Three wins. Yeah, four games left. 
I think they can go three and one in there, um, four and zero, oh, possibly. But I think to, you know, four, three and one might be a little more realistic. Um, but I'll say this: I mean, Marist, I think, is probably the most talented team in the MAC, offensively speaking. They don't have like a ton much else to go through. Uh, Monmouth is is the best team that they have to face, and so you know, and they're on a two game win streak. They beat Quinnipiac nine to eight. You know, Monmouth. I think if they can get through them, um, they should be able to not you don't ever want to cruise or breeze through, uh, but they could run the table here. It, they get through Monmouth, they can run the table. And the Mac for sure this season, the Bonnies can. Alright, we are back and let's move on to Bracketology. What all y'all came here to hear today. And look, this is not uh, this first one. It, obviously, a lot's going to change from this Bracketology 1.0, right? We still have about a month left. Uh, before uh, Selection Sunday, a lot can change um, in these next four, uh, five weeks of the season. But uh, b- before we get into kind of going over things, do you want to mention, um, just f- for those who don't know or maybe have forgotten, here's a little refresher, how the NCAA tournament works, the selection works, all of that. So the 2022 NCAA men's Lacrosse tournament will feature eight seeded teams and ten non-seeded teams. Those teams will make up the 18-team bracket. Okay? Two of those games, or four of those teams, two games, two play-in games now, with the A-Sun adding lacrosse once again. So we now have ten automatic qualifiers once again. Remember... The ACC does not have an AQ because a conference needs six teams to qualify for an AQ. The ACC has five. So we're back to 10 like we were. The ACC had that grace period after Maryland left uh, where they could still have an AQ for, I think it was three years, two or three years. Um, So we're back to that 10 there. Uh, So you have 10 teams that are AQs. And then the other eight will be at-large selections. And I mentioned the, so the number one seeded team and number two seeded team, their first round game will be against a, a play-in game winner. So that's how that will work. Now, for the at-large bids, uh, the NCAA selection committee, uh, they, they have kind of a, a system, if, if you want to call it that, um, how they select things. They look at record, strength of schedule, index, uh, based on a team's you know, 10 highest rated games, RPI results, average RPI wins and losses, head-to-head results, records against ranked teams. So, you know, 1 through 5, what's your record against 6 through 10, 11 through 15, 16 to 20, and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, they look at significant wins, significant losses, Location of games, results versus common opponents, and, oh yeah, any polls, any rankings do not matter. However, the team that's number one in the nation the past couple times has gotten that number one seed, if I'm from, if I remember correctly, is what I believe. Because uh, I know Yale got it, 2018. Was it? I can't remember who it was in 2019. Maryland was obviously it last year, uh, but no, it happens. Uh, but the polls have nothing to do with it. Now, for those automatic qualifiers, um, obviously you win your conference tournament, you get it, you get that AQ. Um, but now there are still three conferences: the ASUN, the Big East, and the CAA who have not had yet played a conference game. 
Uh, so for this exercise, um, I'm going to use the highest RPI ranked team as the um, top team in those conferences at the moment. Um, they're all, the NEC, there's a tie between Bryant, St. Joseph's, and LIU. Again, I'm doing the top highest RPI rank will be used in that. And uh, going forward, if there's a tie at the top, I'm always going to use the highest RPI rank um, on the list. Unless the, the well, it wouldn't be a tie if that was the case, but um, never mind that. But um, so highest RPI rank for, t for conferences that don't, haven't played yet. And if there's a tie and the teams haven't like played each other, obviously. But in that case, there wouldn't necessarily be a tie, right? Um, that would be a tiebreaker. So here's the AQs that kind of have drummed up at the moment. America East, Binghamton would get that. They're 2-0 in conference play. Uh, Coach McEwen, uh, they got a great season going on up there. 4-4 four four overall, 2-0 in America East play. ASUN, uh, Utah is 4-3 at the moment. The RPI rank is 30. Uh, Utah Air Force look like, look like the top two teams. Robert Morris probably that third spot. Bellarmine uh, likely to be in that fourth spot there. And the A-Sun, that's going to be an interesting uh, conference to watch their first year. Uh, well, first year back, I should say. The Big East, again, haven't played a conference game. Uh, but Georgetown, 7-1, and one, uh, fourth in the RPI rankings. Uh, so, and I think we can all, all kind of predict uh, Georgetown to win the Big East. Big Ten, no explanation here. Uh, Maryland is the number one team in the Big Ten right now. They are 1-0. They are 8-0 in conference play. Number two in the RPI. And the CAA, uh, UMass is 5-3. They have the 62nd rank in the RPI, 5-3 uh, record. CAA, again, has not played um, a conference game yet. Looks like UMass, Delaware, kind of the top two teams is how it's shaking out right there in the CAA. But as I say, it uh, does not stand for Colonial Athletic Association. It stands for Crazy Athletic Association because anything can happen in the CAA in college lacrosse. In the Ivy League, uh, we, a team we just talked about, Harvard, 6-1 and one overall, 2-0 and oh in conference play, ranked 6th in the RPI. Uh, they, if the season ended today, Harvard would get the Ivy AQ. In the MAC, another team we just mentioned, St. Bonaventure, 2-0 and oh in conference play, 7-2 and two in uh, overall play. In the Patriot League, Boston U is the only remaining team undefeated in the conference, 4-0, 71 on the season. The lone loss to Harvard, uh, Ryan Poley and Terriers have been uh, rolling this season, and they continue to do so here as we head into April. In the NEC, however, I will say in the Patriot League, they have not played Army, Loyola, or Lehigh. Watch out for those three teams. I want to see what Boston U does against those teams. I have a feeling they could roll in that, but maybe not win. Not go 3-0 against them, but 3-1, I think, 2-1 is possible. In the NEC, uh, St. Joseph's gets that spot at the moment, 7-2, 2-0, 7-2. and 2-0 on the season, number 19 in the RPI rankings. Uh, Bryant, St. Joseph's, and LIU all tied at the top with 2-0 records. Uh, but St. Joseph's gets that RPI bump at the moment. Um, and then, you know, Zach Cole there playing phenomenal. Uh, absolutely you know, stellar play from him at the faceoff dot to, to help catalyst, catalyst or catapult that team into um, another successful season. Uh, we'll see if they can finally, finally get over the hump this year. Uh, they've been to the NEC title game multiple times. 
never gotten over the hump. We'll see if they can get there this year. Uh, Bryant, LIU, two teams to also watch there down the stretch. And that conference as a whole, anything can happen. In the SoCon, Richmond is 5-3, and 1-0 in conference play. Um, if So Richmond has played the only – Richmond beat Hampton in the only SoCon game so far. So they're there. Um, even though I believe – and I don't have it in front of me um, – but I believe Jacksonville has a higher RPI uh, than Richmond uh, right now. Uh, but so next week, you know, Richmond plays Virginia. Jacksonville plays – who they play? Uh, it's open. I can't remember who uh, – Jacksonville plays High Point in which will be a really, really good game. That one, uh, if Jacksonville wins that, they'll probably be – because I think they are right now higher than the RPI as I recorded this, than Richmond, because uh, they do have those wins over Duke and Denver. So um, you know, they will probably be in that spot next week, uh, depending on uh, what they do against High Point. And it could also be High Point, uh, possibly, in that spot um, if they get that win and, and they get that uh, RPI going up. So uh, we'll see how things shake out in the SoCon, uh, really between Richmond High Point and Jacksonville are the top three there. It's going to be one of those three. Moving on to possible at-large selections. So after, you know, the 10 uh, automatic selections or qualifiers are set in stone, you still got to pick eight more teams uh, for at-large berths. The, the eight that I have right now are Princeton, Virginia, Penn, Yale, Cornell, North Carolina, Rutgers, and Ohio State. Those are the eight right now. Um, look at the RPI rank, the SOS rank, strength of schedule rank. Those are the teams sitting there at the top at the moment. Um, and the, 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 the teams that are, that are just below that, you have Hopkins, Brown, Duke, Notre Dame, Villanova, and Denver. It, it is very, very weird to, to have Duke and Notre Dame in that category. We're used to Villanova and Denver being bubble teams or being considered possibly on the bubble. We're used to Ohio State being on the bubble. Um, Ohio State's on the right side of the bubble at the moment. Um, I think of the teams I have in right now, that they're probably they're the last team in. Um, for sure, at the moment, them and Carolina, I think, are the two teams that have probably the biggest, like, if, if you're going to ask me what team do you have in right now, outside of the Ivy League, um, that would possibly not get in at season's end, Ohio State and Carolina, because Ohio State, you got killed by Rutgers in the second half. They're gonna have to, they're not beating Maryland. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a good Ohio State team, but they're not beating Maryland. Okay. Um, teams have figured out as Ohio as Jack Myers goes, so does Ohio State. And past couple of games they've been able to neutralize him, defenses have. So we'll see how they do. But they have to beat Michigan. They have to beat Hopkins, okay? And look, Penn State, I, I think Penn State is better than what they showed last night against Maryland, and we know that. One goal losses to Penn, Cornell, and Villanova. So I'm not going to put it past Penn State to put up a fight against some of these other Big Ten teams. Now, is Ohio State better than Penn State? Yes, they should be. Um, and they've looked better than Penn State this year for certain. So we'll see how things shake out there in the Big Ten. But um, Ohio State could be in some trouble here if they don't kind of get things rolling again and if they don't roll through the rest of their schedule, which they're not going to roll in terms of going defeated. Uh, but if they can beat Hopkins, Michigan, 
and Penn State, they should be fine. And if they beat them convincingly, which the one thing I, I don't like, margin of victory is not really considered in the RPI. And I don't know how much it's considered by the committee each year because there are some instances you have a February game, a team gets blown out, and they win the rest of the game. They win, you know, let's, let's say they win, you know, they have 10 contests left. They win seven of them, right? So you end up seven and four on the season on the cusp of getting in or not, and you end up on the right side of the bubble. Well, did that blowout loss really matter? You know, there's a lot of different ways you you can shake things. Um, but Ohio State, last team in right now, last team in. The first four out, Hopkins, Brown, Duke, and Notre Dame. And I said Duke and Notre Dame. Very weird. Very, very weird. Um, look, I don't think Brown's getting in unless they – Brown and Hopkins. So I think if Hopkins beats Ohio State, okay, and, and let's pull up Hopkins. Let's pull up those schedule, okay? Hopkins, if they beat – Ohio State, if they beat Rutgers, so they have Rutgers, Ohio State, and Penn State left. Hopkins will definitely get in. Like Michigan, I don't think, I think is out of it right now. Completely. Um, completely out of it. They lost to Hopkins. I think they're done in terms of NCAA at-large selection. Anyone can win the Big Ten tournament. Okay, things kind of reset. Whatever. We'll see what goes on. Uh, I think it's Maryland, but, you know, crazier things have happened. Hopkins is at Rutgers at Ohio State. Then they end the season at, at home against Penn State and at home against Maryland. Now, the Maryland game, I think everybody can look at that and say, okay, Maryland is a much more talented team. They've played better throughout the season. That is absolutely true. But this is a rivalry game. You throw out the record books. I think that's going to be a close game. If they beat Rutgers, Ohio State, and Penn State, eh, I think you put them in. I think you put them in. A few weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have said that because they look pathetic. They look terrible. Really, they look terrible in a lot of their games early on. Um, Their defense has been really good. We've talked about think they can rely on that, and, and their offenses seem to figure things out. Uh, they played pretty well against Michigan, especially in the second half there. So Hopkins, and, and that's the thing with a lot of these teams. They control their own destinies. And that's the same thing with Duke and Notre Dame. Um, Virginia, I think, is the safest team in the ACC, without a doubt. Uh, Carolina, we'll see. Uh, you know, I said Carolina is one of those teams that I could see possibly dropping out. Um and that would happen if, if Duke or Notre Dame takes their spot. Now, Notre Dame has to get to 500. You cannot be an at-large selection sub-500 record. Uh, you're 2-4 and four at the moment. they got to get wins. They've got to get wins. I think the Irish beat Syracuse this week. I, I really do think they do that. Um, I think their defense can handle... Uh, um, but I, I, I am, and Syracuse is a team I did not mention in here, uh, though not one of these top 14 teams I've, I've listed here, uh, but they could certainly jump up into this, right? Uh, Duke and Syracuse appear to go it, to be going in separate directions now, uh, where Duke is getting worse, so they're just, they don't really, like, play hard until... They, their backs against the wall. It's very weird what they're doing right now. Um, they, they both look different in like, like the mirror, mere opposites of each other of what they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, Duke and Syracuse are. Uh, Notre Dame, they just haven't looked good. They didn't look good on Saturday against Virginia. They have the third, the third best strength of schedule in the country. Um, which helps them. But again, you got to get to 500. 
Villanova and Denver, the only way either of those teams are getting in um, are if you beat Georgetown and run through the rest of the Big East, or you get the Big East at large. I don't think, unless you beat Georgetown and run through the rest of the Big East, I don't think the Big East is getting two teams in, unless that happens. And the Big East has played the role of bubble booster before with Marquette and, and like with Marquette and the likes. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I think the Big East could play a similar role this year because Villanova is good. Um, Denver is not as good as they've been in the past, but they've seemed to kind of progress you recently. I know that game against Towson wasn't the best, but uh, we've seen them kind of start to figure things out. So uh, we'll see how things progress. And again, a lot of things with a lot of these teams are they more or less control their own destiny. And it's, it's up to them. You know, do we want to put our foot down, step on the gas, and go and, and run through the rest of our schedule, play as best as we can, win all the conference? Um, and for some of these teams, get an at-large bid if we don't win our conference, especially for those ACC teams where you don't have the AQ. You know, it's, it's a lot of control your own destiny at this point. Now, before I reveal the bracket here that I've kind of laid out, um, here's what I have right now. I have the Ivy League with five bids. I do not think that's going to hold. I do not think that's going to hold. I think you're going to see one of, you know, so I I think Yale and Princeton are probably safe. Um, And as in safe, I mean the two best teams in 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 the Ivy right now. Um, I have both those teams as ranked uh, teams in the bracket at the moment, as do I have Cornell and Harvard and Penn. I think Cornell, Penn, Harvard, Cornell, one of those three, and probably more likely Harvard, Harvard or Penn, are going to be the two to get out. I, 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 I don't know if the, if the Ivy gets five in. I think they get four at a maximum. Three is a really good probability. Depending on what the ACC does and depending on how things shake out in the Big Ten um, and the Big East, as I mentioned, they can play bubble booster, and they've done so in the past before. If they do that again, that's only going to hurt the Ivy League. The Ivy League needs things to stay status quo. And they need, and look, they're going to beat the crap out of each other. They're doing it already. They're going to beat the crap out of each other. What is that going to do to their reputation in terms of this is the best conference in the country? Because you're going to have some four or five lost teams in there, mate. And so are those still going to be top five, top ten teams? And I know I said rankings don't matter, but I'm talking about the RPI. Like, like what is that going to do to have that kind of competition? And this is what you always see with, with the ACC usually. is There's going to be the crap out of each other. They're all going to get in. There's not enough space to get, all, to get five IVs in. Right now, it looks like that if everything stopped right now and the tournament happened today, five Ivies would make it. But I, I don't know if that's a realistic possibility at season's end. It might be, it, it might not be, you know, we'll see. And, you know, Cornell, I think, has the best opportunity of those teams because they have that Syracuse non-con game. The rest of them, I think they might be. I know Cornell plays um, Colgate this weekend, and I know there's some other non-conference games. Uh, Yale plays Boston U, I believe. So there's some there's some opportunities there, non-conference-wise, to boost uh, the at-large uh, selections for some of these teams. But the vast majority of it is against each other, and so, so that could play 
in a negative way for the conference in terms of how many they get in. Now let's get into, so secondly, I have ACC with two or three bids, the Big Ten with two, uh, and then one bid leagues right now, ASUN, Big East, Patriot, America East, CAA, MAC, NEC, SOCON, the Patriot League, I mentioned kind of that race a bit earlier. Um, that is another conference where, similar to the Big East, plays bubble buster a lot of times. We saw last year Loyola sneak in there, um, which, as always, that's a possibility. Um, when you look at this weekend, you've got uh, you know, not many big-time battles in, in, in the Patriot League. Navy and Boston U is the most intriguing one. Uh, Colgate plays Harvard. Holy Cross plays Loyola and Army and Bucknell. Um, so I don't think any of those, and Lafayette and Lehigh, big rivalry game, um, I don't know if, if, if any of those necessarily affect. Um, of course, if Boston U, Loyola, Lehigh, and Army all lose, yeah, that's, that's going to affect things. I don't see that happening. Um, but you know, at the moment, it doesn't look like this weekend is probably going to affect things too much. It is next weekend where Boston U plays Yale, and that's, that is a huge opportunity there for Yale. Princeton also plays Boston U. That was the other one I was thinking about. And Army plays uh, Cornell. So Cornell has the Syracuse and Army game. Uh, I'd forgotten about that one. So those are some really good opportunities for the Ivy League uh, there for those three teams. In particular, Cornell, Princeton, Yale. Um, so we'll see how things shake out there. But as I said, a lot, a lot of things can change. A lot of teams control their own destinies at this point. Um, and that's going to be true throughout the rest of the season. And it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out. So without further ado, let's get into what I have at, with my bracket at this point in time, and I don't have a visual on here for y'all because it's a podcast, so um, I'm reading top to bottom, so uh, if you want to, I, I linked the NCAA hand, uh, the uh, manual, pre-championship manual, into my article, lacrossebucket.com, uh, 2022 Division One Men's Bracketology 1.0. You can click on that link. You can pull up the manual there. They have the bracket in there, what it's going to look like. So if you want a visual, uh, you can do that uh, there uh, and, and kind of follow along with me as I read off uh, these teams. A lot of times I'm listening to the podcast and they're talking about you know, football or whatever and talking about a, a player or something. I, I always like to search on my phone or wherever um, and kind of get, get a visual with, with, with what uh, they're talking about. So if y'all want a visual, there you go. At the top of the bracket, let's start with the play-in game. I have Binghamton out of the America East and St. Bonaventure out of the MAC as that top play-in game, and I have the winner of that game would play Maryland. Um, the play-in games, I believe, will probably be the America East, the MAC, the ASUN, and the CAA. Um, the SOCON usually gets that. Um, but considering what Jacksonville has done this year, considering you know, Richmond and High Point, what they've done this year, it, I, I think it might be a consider, considerable, considerably, considerably stronger, ugh, difficult word to say uh, today, uh, it, it, a bit stronger than it has been before. So if the SOCON, and, and, and really it, it's kind of A.E. Mac. ASUN, CAA, SOCON, they kind of all, NEC, kind of all rotate, um, so to speak, of to who goes where um, in those play-in games. Um, so that's probably what it's going to be uh, with those AE, MAC, in, that, in a play-in game, ASUN, CAA, play-in game. You know, and, and again, like these matchups, 
could be completely different next week um, when I when I go through this one. And uh, you know, it, it's difficult to kind of get in the head of the committee and kind of put together, you know, what what might be what, who might go where. Um, and I do take into consideration. I know they do this to an extent uh, with geography to an extent. So I am taking a bit of that into consideration as well. Um, so I have Maryland, the number one seed, playing the winner of Binghamton and St. Bonaventure out of the America East and the MAC. And then I have Cornell playing Ohio State. So I have Cornell, the number eight seed in Ohio State. Uh, they are the last team in at the moment. So I have them playing Cornell, the eight seed in that second game of the top half of the bracket. That would be a rematch. And I actually have two rematches in here. Um, they don't, you don't always see that. Uh, we've seen it a couple times, but you don't normally see that. Uh, but I think the way things go and are going right now, possibly um, that you could see some rematches in the first round. Um, it, it's not, it doesn't always happen, but it, it's not something that's never happened. The next game here, I have Penn at five playing Rutgers um, there. So Penn as an at-large playing Rutgers, a Big Ten at-large there. Uh, so those two teams, Penn number five, Rutgers, an unseeded team. And then uh, the final game of the top half of the bracket, I have number four, Georgetown, coming out of the Big East with their AQ playing North Carolina. So to go over again, the top half of the bracket, Binghamton, St. Bonaventure, winner playing Maryland, the number one seed coming out of the Big Ten. Number eight, Cornell against an unseeded Ohio State team. Number five, Penn versus a unseeded Rutgers team. Number four, Georgetown, the Big East AQ, playing an unseeded North Carolina team. So that's the top half. Moving to the bottom half, um, I have number three, and we're going to start at the top half, the top of the bottom half, of the bottom half. Uh, number three, Virginia playing an unseeded Richmond team out of the SoCon. That's another game that's going to be a rematch, uh, but considering and considering that they do take into account location uh, to some extent, more so with sports like lacrosse, just because of the travel expenses, um, that makes sense. They'd probably do something like that. Um, and the other one, this next one, has similar vibes with it. Uh, number six, Harvard, coming out of the Ivy League, playing Boston U, unseated Boston U, out of the Patriot League. Uh, both AQ gets there. The next one here, number seven, Yale against St. Joseph's out of the NEC, the NEC AQ. And then the last game of the bottom half of the bracket, I have number two, Princeton, playing the winner of Utah out of the A-Sun and UMass in the CAA. And again, the um, play-in games, kind of as things sit, those are the four conferences I could see getting uh, getting put there. But um, certainly, I wouldn't put it past them to for the NEC or the SoCon to be moved to the play-in game as well. It's all relative at this point in time, um, with a lot of lacrosse left to be played. Um, and there will be a lot of lacrosse played this weekend as conference play gets underway for the ace of the Big East and the CAA. Continues for the Big Ten, the ACC. We got Carolina Duke Tobacco Road rivalry. Uh, big, big weekend again in the Ivy League. Penn and Yale. Penn has not beaten Yale in New Haven in about, uh, it's been a while. Uh, I think they've beaten it once in New Haven since like 2007, I want to say. 
Uh, so that is a big one. And we know what that series did in 2019. We'll preview that and more on Thursday's show. As always, thank you all for tuning in. Y'all can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.